Welcome to Down the Wormhole. My name is Joshua Weinberg. I'm Zachary Miller. And I think by now we can call Mike a uh, our third our third host. Yes, uh, thank you very much for having me on. And thank you very much for the International War Crimes Tribunal in The Hague for allowing me to appear here today. Um, very kind people. Yes. Yes, very kind. Uh, my sincere thanks and, of course, apologies. All right, so let's let's just get right into it. We want to talk about the Hyperloop today. You know that thing that uh, Elon Musk and several other smart people want to put in California. So um, that that theoretically, why don't you get ex- people around real quick? Why don't you explain for, what this what this is? For those who don't know, the Hyperloop is a proposed mode of transportation uh, that uses pretty much a maglev train in a vacuum tube. The reason you want to put something like that in a vacuum tube would be reduced air pressure. So the efficiency is much higher, and you can travel at considerably higher speeds. Uh, proposed by Elon Musk, the max speed would be about um, 760 miles per hour. You know, around the speed of sound. The All right. Ma- uh, Elon Musk's particular plan was to put one between San uh, Francisco Bay Area and Los Angeles, a distance of... Uh, 560 kilometers or 350 miles. This trip proposed by Elon Musk would take 30 minutes. Wow. Um, I, know, I never really liked the name Hyperloop, though. No? No. What, what didn't you like about it? It doesn't... I, I, I feel names should be descriptive. And, like, I I think what I've come up with is much better. Okay. More, much more descriptive about what, what's what do you have? Um, uh, vacuum-powered death blender. <laughs> I like it. Well, I think that'll actually bring a lot of people who want to use it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It'll help well, with advertising. Many engineers. Oh, yeah. The, the marketing <laughs> really team. It'll be more of a curiosity that. thing. <laughs> anyway, Maybe more of a well, medical curiosity. I'm, I'm, sure we'll, um, I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit. So, while this is a great concept, because, you know, that'd be really cool to be able to travel that fast, mm-hmm. there are a few things that get in the way of this. Mainly, reality. Logic. Well, yeah. Yeah. Sustainability. Yeah. It always seems like a great idea until you start affordability, thinking about it, practicality. So let's let's go through th- some of the specifics about the Hyperloop first before we get into its many many flaws. So uh, this these pod the Hyperloop would be used to transfer freight and people. Uh, it would maintain a partial vacuum, not a full vacuum. Uh and the capsules inside the tube would float on a uh, 0.2, or sorry, uh, uh, 0.02 to 0.05 uh, inch layer uh, off the track. So it's very close, and it uses technology very similar to a maglev train. So it uses uh, magnetic current to accelerate and decelerate the uh, capsule. The capsules would be 7.5, uh, 7 feet 4 inches in diameter, uh, and the passengers would experience uh, a half a G in acceleration and deceleration. Oh, that seems very interesting. Ha- what, uh, what was that? Half a G? Yes. In acceleration and deceleration, they'd use the magnets okay. uh, on the path to decelerate slowly. Okay. Under ideal conditions. Yes. Half a G. Yeah. 
Okay. Ideal conditions, this is what they have proposed. Working. Now, it shall... Working. Yeah, it working. <laughs> shall we go through the many failings of this now? Um, so, Mike, you were discussing this earlier with me. What are some of the failings you brought up? Well, it's... This, the, the Hyperloop is something that I've actually been very interested in for quite a while. Just sort of following... As the news crops up from time to time, as it does, you know, you'll see it pop up in the news every now and then. But uh, there, there's always this horrible image that comes to my mind uh, when I think about this whole system. And it was brought on by an episode of Mythbusters. Oh, in this, boy. Oh, yes. <laughs> we oh love them on this show. They were examining what's known as a, uh, a vacuum ping pong cannon. Oh, I've and, seen these. These are really cool. And allow me... Let's let's see if you might notice any kind of correlations between these two concepts. There's a tube. Inside the tube, there is an object. On one side is a is a partial vacuum. Now, in the canon, a ping pong ball is placed at the end of a long tube, and both ends are sealed with uh, mylar. Think, mylar, yes, so, some high kind strength of strong but, material that can be punctured. But easily. it's a thin membrane, yes. And then a vacuum is drawn across the entire tube. At which point, a simple sewing needle is taken and punctures the mylar film directly behind the ping pong ball. And through the pure pressure differential of atmospheric pressure in the vacuum, launches the ping pong ball out the other end of the tube, and in the case of the Mythbusters, through a, I believe, quarter-inch sheet of plywood. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that's right. They just... Just Rail, glass and blast it right through. Yes. I mean, I, you can. These are all over on YouTube. You can see videos of these things just punching through a line of like five soda cans. They're, full soda it's, cans. It's, it's terrifying. And yeah, I would not want to stand in front of that. Would you want to stand in it? That's the real question. So. These ping pong cannons. Uh, somebody ran the number. A lot of people run the numbers. And uh, a conservative estimate for the acceleration experienced by this ping pong ball is uh, 5,000. 5,000? 5,000 what? Uh, 5,000 G. Oh. 5,000 times the acceleration of Earth's gravity. So that means someone experiencing that gravity who weighs 100 pounds would be experiencing would feel like they weigh 500,000 pounds. Let's put it this way. Uh, Okay. Fighter pilots during... During extreme maneuvers, like dives into climbs, will experience was it upwards of fourteen g? Uh, very no. yeah, very briefly. Very briefly, uh, upwards very of fourteen g. Yeah. The whole turn probably um, holds them well over ten. Pilots wearing g suits, they can sustain. Uh, I, I think it's around approximately nine g's for, say, it's, for it's about a nine. few seconds. Um, there, there was a gentleman in the nineteen fifties who was uh, performing tests out in. Uh, out in the American Southwest in New Mexico, um, where he would sit on a rocket sled and uh, would experience massive acceleration forces. And he is the person to have survived the largest and longest sustained acceleration, and that was 42.7 Gs. Now, wow. with this Hyperloop, what happens if, while there's a, a capsule filled with people... Regular people. There's some kind of accident on one side of it. There's a breach in this sealed tube and 
all of the air rushes in at atmospheric pressure into this near vacuum. I'll tell you what happens, and it's not getting shot through a quarter-inch piece of plywood. <laughs> yeah. Now, conservative, conservatively, it's not going to be 5,000 Gs, but something tells me it's going to be a lot more than 42. It's not going to be fun. Yeah. No. It won't be but fun. Let it me definitely put it like, wouldn't be fun. Let me put it like this. Chances are you're gonna they're going to need sponges and squeegees <laughs> to get these people out of these cars. Yeah. Well, if that's there's not... any car left. Yeah. That's yeah, fair enough. And that's also not the only thing they'd experience. I remember you telling me about this. This is oh. this is also quite terrifying. <laughs> so this one's fun. Because it's vacuum, uh air when air rushes in, it'll be traveling roughly the speed of sound. This creates a one atmospheric pressure pressure wave traveling through this tube. That is 14 PSI. Now, just to, now, just to give some uh, context here, being the resident expert on all things military and nuclear, a uh, a nuclear weapon yeah. will produce a massive pressure wave front, and in the area between five and twenty psi of pre of uh, overpressure, you will see houses crushed. And on the higher end, most buildings are completely destroyed. And we're not yeah. talking small structures. We're talking yeah. large buildings. So, just for context, 1.5 PSI will shatter a window. Yes. This is ten times that traveling at the speed of sound. In a confined tube yeah. towards a capsule filled with people. Yeah. So oh boy. sponges <laughs> and, and squeegees. So it gets even better. Let's talk about construction. A competition was actually held in uh, winter of 2016 into January of 2017. This competition uh, was held by SpaceX to design the Hyperloop capsules. A scaled-down version, four-fifths of a mile long. It was made of steel. Okay. Okay. Uh, and that is the proposed material. It's a certain kind of steel. I don't remember the particular grade. Okay. Uh, it was four-fifths of a mile long. It took a half hour to depressurize. Ah, and it was, what was the diameter of that tube? Uh, it was smaller mean, than... I, the, I think you mean repressurize. No. It took a half hour to suckle the air out. Oh, oh I see what you're saying. Uh, and yeah. then how long does it take after they shut off all the vacuum pumps for it to come back up to atmospheric pressure? Uh, they did not say. My guess would be a lot faster than 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was... This uh, was uh, 1.83 meters in diameter, which is smaller than the proposed one... By about 0.4 meters. Okay. Uh, okay. The, uh, the pressure it was brought down to for the competition is uh, 0.14 PSI, so uh, less than a tenth of atmospheric. Yes. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, less than a hundredth. Sorry, that's yeah, my less bad. Less than 1%. Less, yeah, less yeah, than a hundredth. It's a tiny, tiny amount, yeah. Yeah. So, funny enough, only like... three... So, total tangent, but only three... Uh, three competitors made it in into the tube of out of the thousand applicants, 
and only one of the capsules made it to the end of the three four fifths of the mile. Um, I'm, I'm guessing the rest of them turned into what I'm, I'm guessing they had the same effect as crushing a soda can with your foot. Oh no, they just didn't work. I'm kind of inclined to believe that there was a catastrophic failure. There wasn't, but you can believe whatever you like. I hope all aspects of this project are ridiculous. <laughs> yes. So, let's get into the construction aspect of this. My favorite note on this has to be the expansion coefficient from heat. Given the ma- uh, well, I was I always get excited when people start talking about expansion coefficients. Oh, oh this is yeah. funny. Oh, oh yes. So over the four over the three hundred and fifty mile distance of the hyperloop. Okay. Given the amount of given the grade of steel, the calculations are run. They said you didn't know the grade of steel. I don't remember it. It was said. Oh okay. Um, and based on that grade of steel, it was calculated that it would expand over. 300 meters from a cold to hot day. Well, you see... Like just regular cold to hot days. Zero to 40 degrees Celsius. Oh, th- that's that's simple, though. You know, it, it, they can solve it just like they do with regular railroad tracks, and that is you leave expansion... Jo- oh, wait, uh. no, the entire thing needs to be hermetically sealed. <laughs> yeah. Well, crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. So, even better, not only would they get lengthwise expansion of a considerable amount. Oh, yeah. Because the top is being heated and not the bottom, you would get massive amounts of bowing in the structure. That was not calculated, but it based on how much it would expand. At this point, just take the bus. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah. Or or, or let's let's work on better aerodynamics for actual maglev trains. Yeah. So, those are easy. Those are easy to build oh, those, comparatively. Oh yeah. So here's the thing: you would need. So you need specialized everything. expansion joints, everything, and vacuum sealed ones. We keep coming back to the simple fact that everything about this is ridiculous, yeah. impractical. Well, so and think about how much is happen. expanding. Also, since it's a vacuum tube, think about how much pressure is on that. Oh, yeah. 14 PSI. The walls of this proposed thing are only, um, like, they're only, like, an inch thick. That's tiny. Well, I don't don't think that's as big a problem as you would think. Yeah, that's really not. I I don't. It's also going to be underground, isn't it? No. It's above ground. It's above ground. I think that's the dumb part. Oh, that's where you draw the line. That's the dumb part. It's above ground. no, no. I mean, that would put it underground, that could solve a lot of the problems we've been discussing. Like so I, I'd just like to say, uh, just a quick side note, I don't think that uh, outside pressure issue is really an issue because uh, submarines have been the thing for a while. They experience much more than one atmosphere. And the whole thickness is What's their what? hull? What's their hull thickness? The hull thickness? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Not right. much. Not. They also have cross beams inside supporting it. Of course. Fair enough. Um, they also aren't experiencing the vibration forces of something going the speed of sound over it. It's a maglev train. It doesn't make vibrations. No, but at the same mm-hmm. time, at the same time though, the pressure increases a lot faster. You know, going underwater. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, let me ref- let me rephrase that. The pressure experienced by a submarine is astronomically greater than one atmosphere. Yes, that's fair. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, so I don't think that's as big of an issue. Okay. But that, that's, you know, that that's like your house is on fire and I'm saying, okay, well, I think the... Uh, you leaving I, the oven I think on the, might not I be a think big the, deal. I think the front steps will be okay. Yeah. There's just so much wrong with everything else. It's just... Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I would love to see some kind of rapid transit on the West Coast That'd between be San Francisco and Los Angeles that you can travel at 700 Considering plus miles an getting hour. from yeah. San Francisco to Los Angeles is terrible. I've yeah, done it, it. It is horrible. It's terrible. Oh, yeah. It's amazing that you're sitting here now and not still stuck in traffic. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, this was like three years ago, too. Yeah, and he just got back yesterday. <laughs> We've actually been doing we've actually been doing the podcast by video conference this entire time. <laughs> I don't really know how I'm still in college. <laughs> oh, but is this the answer to the rapid transit problem? No, uh, no, no, it is no. not. I think more. I think, like I said, but more investment time, in current rail and current maglev technology yes. or high speed rail technology, making those more aerodynamic and. Yeah, I would, you know, waterproof is easier than a vacuum tube. I would also like to point out that Elon Musk is generally credited with creating this idea. He didn't, though. No, I saw, I think it was like Nova, some some science show back yeah. in like 2006. Oh yeah, this idea has been around for a long time. That suggested a uh, underwater, uh, underwater system like this to go from America to Europe. Oh yes. That would be cool. You know, I've actually used the Hyperloop. Hmm? Uh, I have actually used the Hyperloop. Have you now? Yes. For for a summer, uh, when I was in college, still am, but I don't work there anymore. I worked okay. at a Home Depot, and uh, every oh, day in the evening, I, know this guy. I would get to use the Hyperloop when I take the money bag, put the money in it, stick it in the capsule, and put it in the vacuum tube. You know what I think? Elon Musk acts, acts like this is some fancy new invention. I think he was standing in the line at some store, because that's what Elon Musk does, and shops at stores, <laughs> and he saw the vacuum tube and said, hmm, I want to stand in that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe saw an episode of Futurama. That's true, yeah. <laughs> pneumatic pneumatic mail delivery has kind of been around for it has a very yes. long time. Well, I guess yeah. now we're going to... The next logical step is obviously to s- stick people in it. Yeah, oh, exactly. of course. You, you never wanted to ride in one of those? Well, I never said that. Ah. I never said that. Ah. Every day I wished. But would I, ev- would I ever do it? Voluntarily in one you could stand in? No. Yeah. I don't want to become a paste. Now... I'd rather <laughs> go on a deep sea adventure. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds fun. <laughs> the answer is most definitely more development of traditional rapid transit systems, maglev trains especially, but even conventional trains. The French have a very advanced uh, conventional train system, as well as the Japanese. In fact, uh, I don't know if this is still true, but I know the land the the land speed record for a rail vehicle for the longest time was the French, uh, Fran- excuse me, the French TGV, which got up to over, uh, I believe, 500 kilometers per hour 
Um, it's wow, it's, really? It's what kind of train? It's it's a it's just a conventional train. There's a high no speed train. High, high speed train. Maglev, right? No, no it's diesel not Maglev. electric, probably. Yes. Five hundred kilometers an no, hour. No, just excuse me, just electric. Oh, it's not electric. diesel electric. Yeah, it uses, okay. uh, uh, overhead uh, lines. Yeah, catenary towers is a pantograph to draw power. Is that what that's called? The the pantograph is the. That's all right. The pantograph is the uh, thing that extends up from the train to touch the wire. The can't pantograph. Yes, you're you're talking to a man who owns and plays train simulator. He does on a regular basis. And I'm single, ladies. <laughs> you hear that? He's single, ladies. <laughs> who would have guessed? <laughs> this is. I didn't. Uh, what were the wires called? Uh, they're uh, catenary towers. Ah. Catenary is actually a mathematical shape. Well, yeah. yeah. Shape that you get when you hang a wire, or string rather, from two points. Oh, so. The Saint Louis, like any wire. The St. Louis Arch is an inverted catenary. Really? Yes. Well, isn't that interesting? Maybe they should put a hyperloop in the St. Louis Arch. <laughs> I don't think so. Imagine that. You can go from the bottom to the top to the bottom in... 15 seconds and experience insane G's as you experience uh, exactly and then you get a free funeral angular acceleration a free funeral I, yeah, pre they... I prefer to be launched out of the top at full speed <laughs> <laughs> I might get to space that there's there's cool. an interesting idea Elon Musk is uh, using space he's gonna turn it on its side he's gonna make a space cannon <laughs> It's a particle accelerator for people. It works for uh, the the mil, I, I, the, the yeah. French filmmaker in the you know early what, 1900s shooting the guy into the uh, you know what he'll shooting use? the people oh. into the man on the moon. No, you know what he'll use for his uh, for his uh, power to get into space? Well, now nuclear bombs. The nuclear space gun nuclear totally space. viable oh, course, for space yeah. travel. Oh yeah, doesn't just vaporize everything. <laughs> yeah, of well, course there, not. I mean there there were. Plans for a, a nuclear bomb-powered spaceship. Yes, yes. And uh, yeah, didn't we talk about that? Got as far yeah. as the prototype yeah. stage using small scale and conventional explosives, and it worked. Hmm. Which uh, is neat. There's there. It, unfortunately, it had the same problems as the Hyperloop. Reality. Reality. It was <laughs> everything about it was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It, you see, uh, you know, if if it was launched using this nuclear propulsion, which essentially involves just lighting the fuse, so to speak, on an atomic weapon and dropping it out the back door. And if you're on the launch pad, you're just you're just nuking. Yeah, you're Cape nuking. Canaveral. You know, I don't that, think, um, I don't think the proposed method to launch it was to do it on the ground. Oh, that's how it was proposed. And then well, that's they were like, like wait, you said wait a before, minute, wait a minute, about one, this wait a minute, is ridiculous. Wait a minute, one launch would produce as much fallout as the past twenty years of atmospheric nuclear testing. So they said, okay, we'll throw this thing on top of a chemical rocket. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. If that fails... We just made a dirty bomb. You made a dirty bomb, the likes of which the world has never <laughs> seen since chilly night at the engineering building. Jesus. The flashbacks. <laughs> I was there. I'm glad I wasn't now. All right, this has been Down the Wormhole. I mean, I'm 25 minutes in. I'm Zachary Miller. I'm Joshua Weinberg. And I'm Michael Burutinsky. And we're so sorry. Yes. Good night.